So we kicked off hide and seek last week. We started off talking about this story of the very first game of hide and seek happening back in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve and God, right? God is seeking Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve hid because they did what? They sinned. They did something wrong. So then they tried to hide from it. They tried to cover it up. They tried to get away from it and ultimately get away from God. So they're trying to hide from God. And we talked about last week how that ultimately doesn't work, right? Because God is everywhere. But more than that, God pursues. God pursues the people that he loves and everyone he creates he loves. And we already talked about the beginning of the night how much he loves us. And that's true of Adam and Eve. It's true of those of us here in the room as well. And so God pursues us even when we mess up and we try to hide from him. So we set that whole idea up last week that no matter what we do, no matter how much we try to hide, God still pursues us. And there's this game of hide and seek that goes on every day. Anytime we mess up, we tend to try to hide and God continues to seek. So tonight we're going to keep going with that. We're going to bring up another story from the Bible of where hiding and seeking is going on. And uh, there's a particular guy in the Bible named Peter. How many of you have heard of Peter? Show of hands. Hands up. You've heard of Peter. Okay. Hands down. I'm going to give you a real brief bio of Peter before we get into his story. Okay. Peter was a, a fisherman. And he later in life, not, not super later in life, but um, probably a teenager, gets called by God to follow him. And he follows Jesus, and he's actually one of the closest to Jesus. We call the people that were the closest to Jesus his disciples, right? And then the people that were like the closest, the closest within the disciples, they were like the inner three is what they get called. Because these three guys in particular spent even more time with Jesus than the rest of the disciples. And so Peter was one of these guys. So he is good, good friends with Jesus. And so Jesus has been spending a lot of time with him and the rest of the disciples are going around. They're doing all these miracles. Jesus is going around and teaching. He's doing all these amazing, amazing things, right? And eventually we get towards the end of Jesus's life here on earth. And he has this thing called the Last Supper with his disciples. You know what I'm talking about? And and just, it was around this time, and just before this time, where Jesus is having a conversation with our man, Peter. And so this is where we're picking up, is a conversation with him and Peter. And so this is John 14, verses 30 through 31, and Jesus is saying this. He says, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows, twice you yourself will disown me three times times. You know who he's talking to? Peter. You guys are paying attention. I love it. Jesus is talking to Peter and he says he's going to deny him, disown him three times. Verse 31, but Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So Jesus tells Peter he will disown him three times, and Peter promises that that won't happen, emphatically even. So in texting terms, that's like a lot of exclamation points. That's like a lot of like crazy face emojis. Like it's, he's serious. Like, I will never do that. Have you ever had somebody promise you something real emphatically? Like, they're like, 
I would never, you know, tell somebody about you that was a secret, a secret that you told me. I would, I would never not get your back. Like, I would always get your back. I promise, I got your back, no matter what. And then something happens, and they don't get your back. Have you ever promised, Mom, Dad, I'm totally going to clean my room? You didn't clean that room. Have you ever promised, listen, I'm definitely going to study for this test, teacher. I promise I'm going to study. I'm going to do all the homework leading up to it. I'm going to study. I'm going to get an A. You get that test. You didn't get an A because you didn't study. So Peter has made this definitive promise to Jesus. I will not do what you said I'm going to do. I mean, he's serious, man. He means it. And all the other disciples agree. Yeah, yeah. Neither will we. We won't do that either. We'll never disown you. But then you skip down just a few verses to later that same night. Because what did Jesus say? The same night before the rooster crows. So before morning, you're going to deny me three times. Well, verse 66 is where we're going to pick up the story. It says, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. Now, Jesus is in the courtyard, or um, Peter's in the courtyard because Jesus has been arrested at this point. He's been arrested, he's being questioned, he's being hit and spat at, he's, he's being tortured in a way. And Peter's kind of following along, kind of close by. And so he's hanging out in the courtyard, close by where Jesus has been arrested. And one of the high priest's servants sees him and starts looking at him real close because he looks familiar. You ever done the double take when you see somebody you feel like you know? You're like, who is that? That's what is happening with Peter. She's like, wait, I think I've seen this guy before. And so this is what happens. You also were with, with the Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went on into the entryway. So he, he's like, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. He keeps walking. He keeps going. He keeps going. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. No, not, not me. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. So three times now, he has denied that he knows this man, Jesus, who he just swore to earlier that night he would never do that to. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. So Peter has broken his promise to God by denying that he even knew Jesus or being one of his disciples. But then he gets pressed by this girl, right? He gets pressed by seeing what's happening to Jesus, being arrested, being questioned, being hit, being made fun of. He's seeing what's going on with him. 
And then he gets scared. And he goes back on his promise. Can anybody relate to something like that? Have you ever made a promise, whether it's to God or somebody else, and then you get pressed on it, something happens that kind of challenges your commitment to it, you get scared and you cave. It happens all the time. It happens in all of our lives. It happens in people's around us lives. It happens all of the time. Ultimately, we see it happening in movies and TV shows and in real life everywhere. I mean, broken promises make up some of the most normal things we see every day. Every time you see someone get divorced, this is a version of that. Someone breaking a promise, right? Some promise was broken somewhere along the way that caused that to happen. When you see someone getting arrested, it's them breaking a promise as a citizen that they're not going to break the law. But then they broke the law. So then they had a consequence to that. And so with broken promises, there's consequences. Things happen when you break promises. When your friend breaks a best friend promise to you, right? You told them something that was super secret, like your, your crush that you've had for years. You told them, they knew, and they're the only person that knew, right? And then somehow, the person you're crushing on finds out. You know there's only one person they could have found out from, right? You've just discovered a rat, a mole, in, in the best friend relationship, and it's not you. So somebody broke their promise, right? When somebody says they're always going to get your back and then something happens at school and they don't get your back. Breaking promises. When you promise mom and dad you're never going to do that thing again and then you do that thing again. Broken promises. Or when mom and dad promise they're never going to do that thing again and they do that thing again. Promises get broken all the time, man. It happens everywhere. And we see Peter doing it here. Now, what makes it even harder is that we're talking about a promise that he made to God, right? And not even a promise he made to God like back when he was a little kid. A promise he made to God that night, the same day. Has anybody made, and don't answer this out loud, keep it to yourself, but has anybody made a promise to God that day or that night at Revolution or something like that? And even before the next day started, you already messed up on that promise. God, I promise I'm going to love you more. God, I promise I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. God, I promise I'm going to quit doing that thing, that sin, giving into that temptation. I'm going to quit that, 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 and that, whatever it is. And then you wind up breaking that promise even before the next day starts. That's what's happened here to Peter. He breaks this promise that he made with God within the same day that he made it. So Peter finds himself in this place of just brokenness, right? Because it says at the very end, right after he hears the the rooster crow the second time because he remembers what Jesus said. You're going to deny me three times before the, the rooster crows the second time. You'd have already denied me three times. So he hears that rooster and he's like, oh no. I did exactly what I said I wouldn't do. And he just starts weeping. He just starts crying. Because he knows he let God down. He knows he messed up. He knows he broke his promise. 
And so this is where Peter is now, in this state of brokenness. Well, you fast forward a little bit, and Jesus actually goes from being arrested to being sentenced to death, being crucified, dying, getting buried, three days later, raising again, being resurrected. He shows himself to all his disciples. He hangs out with them several times. He's actually on the earth for 40 days before he goes back up to heaven. And so while he's here for those 40 days, he does a lot of really cool things. Among those things is he hangs out with his disciples. Guess who one of his disciples are? Peter. So when Jesus is resurrected and news starts to travel that he's been resurrected, Peter's one of the first ones that take off after the tomb to go see where Jesus was and that he really is alive again. Because that's just... That's just Peter, man. He is like gung-ho, all about anything like that. Like he is the first one out of the boat when Jesus is walking on the water. Peter's the one who jumps out of the boat and starts walking on water for just a second. And then Jesus shows himself to his disciples again later on in there. Guess what? Fishing, because Peter's a fisherman. He's out there fishing. He's already been resurrected. And he shows up on the beach and he's like, hey, you guys. Y'all catching any fish? They're like, no. He's like, hey, just throw your net over there and you'll catch some fish. Now they've been fishing all night, the Bible says. And they're fishermen, so they know what they're doing. And he's like, just cast your net over there and you'll catch fish. And they realized in that moment who this was. This is Jesus saying this to us. Because when they pull the net up, the net is full of fish, like to the point where they're having a hard time pulling it in. And once Peter realizes it's Jesus on the, on the beach, it says he puts his jacket on, ties it around his waist, and starts to like just get out of the boat trying to get over to Jesus. No one else did that, just Peter. So you got to start to ask the question, like, why is Peter doing that? Have you ever hurt someone's feelings, like, and broken a promise to them? Like, you, you have one of two reactions, right? One is you either try to ignore them, like avoid them and like not be around them so you're not confronted by your own failure all the time. Or you go out of your way to be around them as much as possible to make it up to them. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, what can I do for you? How can I, oh, do you want, oh, you want my Snickers? Okay, here you go. Um, hey, no, I'm not giving it away. My mistake. My mistake. No, but you try to go out of your way to help this person. Do anything you can for this person. You're trying to make it up to them. You're trying to make up for the fact that you failed then. Peter's this person. He's constantly trying to be around Jesus because the last thing that he did that was substantial in his relationship with Jesus was what? Break a promise. Just before Jesus dies... He denies he even knows him. This has messed with Peter. And I'm imagining part of the reason he wants to be with Jesus so badly, one is because that's just his personality and that's what he did before he did this. But two is he wants to be around Jesus to prove that he still loves him and he still can make up the, the broken promise that he made because he feels so bad that he did it in the first place. And so then we look at this interaction that happens in John chapter 21, okay? So they just caught this big thing of fish. They bring it up onto the beach. 
Jesus is like, hey, bring some fish in here and we'll eat some breakfast. It was morning. And they're eating breakfast. And then this is where the story picks up. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. And when you were wanted um, and, and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So Jesus is having this interaction with Peter, and there's a couple things I want to point out about it. One is, who started the interaction? Jesus. Jesus came to Peter and started talking to him. He started interacting with him. Which goes back to the point that we're going to continue to make throughout the course of these several weeks, talking about hide and seek, is God continues to pursue us. He continues to initiate conversation. And so Jesus does that with Peter. But then what does he initiate? What does he say? Three times in a row, he says the same thing. What was it? Do you love me? Okay, now, why is it significant that he's asking that question three times in a row? Any guesses? Okay, because Peter denied him three times. I would agree. Jesus does things on purpose because he knows everything. He knows that Peter has struggled because it tells us that he struggled. He was broken and he wept after he denied Jesus three times. And by breaking a promise, what could be inferred from that is maybe Peter doesn't really love Jesus, right? If you break a promise to somebody, somebody might be able to question, do you really love me? If my wife broke a promise to me, I could be like, I thought you loved me, right? I mean, do you really love me? You broke this big promise. What's the deal? If somebody breaks a promise to you, you might question their love for you. So Jesus is asking, do you love me to Peter? And he says it three times. Because Jesus knows that Peter denied him three times because he said he was going to before he even did it. And so Peter it says he's discouraged, he's, he's upset, he's sad at the fact that Jesus asks him this three times. Why do you think he's sad by it? it maybe because it, was, it reminded him of the fact that he failed, of the promise that he broke. But Jesus doesn't end it with that, of just asking Peter three times, do you love me, to where Peter's just kind of sad about it and kind of sitting in his own shame and guilt of the fact that he broke a promise to God. He goes on to talk about Peter and he's even telling Peter without Peter knowing it how he's going to die eventually. But he ends it with, hey, follow me. 
the relationship that Jesus had with Peter started with Peter being called by Jesus to follow him. And Jesus again asked Peter to follow him. So for a rabbi back in the day, a teacher, a religious man of the church, like to be able to say to someone, follow me, was a huge sign of respect and love. So for him to say, follow me to Peter, meant, meant he didn't stop believing in Peter. He didn't stop loving Peter. He didn't stop wanting Peter to be with him and have a relationship with him. Jesus still wanted all those things. So even in spite of the fact that Peter denied him three times and broke a huge promise to Jesus, Jesus still pursues him and says, follow me. Have a relationship with me. I still love you. And this is huge. One for Peter because it restores Peter's confidence back. It gives Peter back this this joy of knowing, hey, Jesus still wants me. He still loves me. And what's really cool is to see what God does with Peter later on. God uses Peter in a huge way to start the church. A lot of why we're standing here in this church today is how God used Peter 2,000 years ago. But it's also huge for us. It's not just huge for Peter. It's huge for us because how many of us have broken promises to God? And then how many of us feel like after we break a promise to God, he might not love us anymore? We might just feel that way. We might be like, man, I, I told God I was going to do this. I told God I was going to do that. And then I didn't. He, he, he probably doesn't want anything to do with me right now. Like, we're on a timeout. Like, he's not, he's not really wanting to see me. But that's not how God works. That's not how God operates. He operates the way he operated with Peter. It doesn't matter how many promises you broke. He still wants a relationship with you. He's still going to initiate a conversation with you. He's still going to say, follow me, the same way he did to Peter. But what we're used to is when you break a promise too many times, then you're out of chances, right? You eventually break the relationship. So there's a, there's a phrase in baseball and there's a phrase in like um, the court system, three strikes, you're out. Y'all familiar with this phrase, right? Three strikes and then you're done, you're out, you're gone. Well, Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And then Jesus didn't say you're out. Jesus actually invited him in still. So instead of three strikes, you're out, it was three strikes, you're in for Peter. And so for us, it's three strikes, four strikes, 15 strikes, 20 strikes, 110 strikes, it doesn't matter. You're still in. Because I love you. And I want you to follow me and I want you to pursue me because I'm pursuing you. So no matter how many broken promises maybe you've had with God or you've had with other people, you haven't messed up enough to where God stopped pursuing you because you never will. God's going to continue to say, follow me. He's going to continue to want to have a relationship with you. And so you're not too far gone so you don't have to distance yourself from Jesus. I know some of us in the room, when we, when we mess up, we, we'll do that. We'll distance ourselves from our relationship with God if we feel like we've messed up too much. But what's funny about that is that by doing that, it only enables us to mess up more. 
When you distance yourself from Jesus, you're not going to be able to follow Jesus better. So when we do mess up, we, we sin, we fall short, we, we do the thing that we know God's asked us not to do, the hope would be instead of shrinking away from God and falling away from Jesus, that we would actually run to him and fall at his feet because we're desperate for him because that's what's going to ultimately help us to not do that thing again. Because we don't have to fall away because we're worried he's going to quit loving us and quit wanting to, to have a relationship with us because that's just not reality. Reality is he's always going to pursue us and he's always going to want to be with us and he always wants us to come to him. So I don't know where you're at tonight. If you've, you're in this place of like, I feel like I've let Jesus down a ton lately. I feel like I have promised a whole lot of things and I haven't lived up to them. What's awesome about God? There's so many things, but one of the awesome things is that he gives you first chances every single day. You, you get new chances every single day. You get do-overs every single day. He doesn't stop giving you opportunities to come to him, to pursue him, to know him, and to love him, and, and to accept his love for you. So regardless of where you find yourself, if it's you messed up three times like Peter or you messed up a whole lot more than that, Jesus is still initiating conversation with you. He's still saying, follow me. And you can still be used by him. Some of the people I've seen God use the most have been some of the people that were furthest away from him at one point in their life. You might feel like you are a million miles away from God right now. You're only one choice away from being as close to him as the air you're breathing. It's just you turning to him. Because no matter how far away you feel, the reality is, is he's right there. And so instead of running like we talked about last week in hiding, instead of maybe sitting in shame and guilt like what Peter could have done because of a broken promise, realize and know that God has so much grace and love for us like, there's none of us that are perfect. There's none of us that haven't broken a promise. I've broken promises to God. Your leaders have broken promises to God. We all have. We've broken promises to each other. But what's awesome and what unites us is the fact that God doesn't break promises. And we can trust him. And we can know that he's still calling us to follow him, even in the midst of our imperfection. And that we, the more and more we trust in that and trust in him... What's really cool is to see the less and less that we mess up. Not because of us, but because of us trusting in him. And him being able to do that in us. And so for us, it's, it's not how many times have you messed up. Because if you've messed up too much, you're, you're out. You're done. It's, hey, no matter how many times you messed up, God is calling you in. He's ushering you in to his grace and into his love.